All right, everyone, welcome to the Love Shared podcast, the show that explores how God is moving in the community of the River Church in Redlands, California. Tonight is our second episode, and, uh, you know, we are going to talk about cancer tonight. We've got uh, three hosts and a guest, so I want to welcome our first host, Terry Heemstra. Hi, everyone. <laughs> and our second host is Nick Intout, who... Um, yeah, based on based on his uh, sermon a Sunday or two ago, we got a lot of responses that people are dealing with a lot of uh, stress through through cancer, uh, their cancer stories. And my name is Mark Leonard, and we've got a special guest here tonight, Russ DeCock. Thanks for being here, Russ. You are welcome. Good to be here. So this podcast is the sole intent is to explore how God is moving in the people of the river and you know how it's changing us and Nick the idea of devoting a show to talk about cancer and um, a couple of us here on the podcast tonight have dealt uh, with cancer in our own immediate families what made you come to this uh, come to this topic Nick yeah so a little correction on something you said a second ago, Len. And you know, is, I'm always corrected in this show. I don't, I don't, do I make that many mistakes in the first 30 seconds of the podcast? I, sometimes I feel like maybe Jill doesn't give you enough correction, and so that's why I'm standing here as your brother. Uh-huh. Uh, but no, the, um, what, what happened at that Sunday that we asked people to share kind of a praise, uh, a, a sacrifice of praise, was that a lot of people shared that in their journey with cancer, um, they had seen God work in uh, one way or another. And I was, while I was reading through all of those um, cards, I was just kind of amazed at how many of them, and I don't remember the exact number, but it was a lot. It was enough to make me go, man, we need to explore this as a community because um, there are a lot of people who are journeying through this and um, it's a place where they, on the one hand, experience, um, you know, love, but then on the other hand, experience a lot of just doubt and questioning. And so I think that was kind of the hope tonight was uh, to find um, in your story and in Russ's story uh, maybe some hope for other people that are walking through that and maybe even uh, kind of a kindred spirit. So... So my first question for uh, for Russ, and maybe you also, Len, is um, if you guys could just kind of pull back and uh, maybe give us a sketch of what the last, I don't know, 10 years or so of your life have been, um, and then maybe where cancer uh, entered into, this, into your story. So Russ, why don't you start? Sure. If I go back 10 years, that would be uh, 2004. Um, and at that time, I was a uh, high school principal at uh, Arrowhead Christian, uh, married to Joyce, uh, two boys, uh, Kevin and Kyle. And at that time, 2004, they were, uh, what, 16 and 13, something around that age. Um, I would say I took the job. Uh, it was a challenging job. Uh, it was time for a challenge in my life. Uh, previous to that, um, I, I guess I would say I lived a charm life. Uh, things went well. Things went smooth. 
things progressed as life should progress, at least in my ideal world. Uh, mm -hmm. Things should progress as I, I thought that they should. I'd probably say that my, uh, my biggest um, uh, issue in life, the most damaging thing that happened to me was uh, I didn't make the basketball team in high school. And I guess if you look at that as you being... You and Michael Jordan, right? <laughs> you know, Russ, I'm going to look at you differently from now on, I think, knowing that. I didn't know that before. Yeah, yeah, but you, yeah, I, I won't, yeah, I know, I have something to say, but that probably would just be a challenge to you, Lenny, and we'll just <laughs> away from that. Um, but, but I guess that, you know, in some ways that's, you could say that's sad, in some way that's good. I mean, uh, in the sense that uh, that's the biggest, you know, hurdle I had I've overcome in life, you know, my life was pretty charmed. Um, as I said, I was high school principal. That was a big challenging job, but again, moving through that, uh, I think I was growing as a person uh, in my perspective, doing a fine job. Um, but then 2009 hit, and I guess that would be, um, you know, I think of uh, Job and uh, think of what happened to him. Um, and this is my Job story, started in 2009. Um, in the early part of that year, uh, I, I found out that my job uh, was tenuous at best and probably going to be ending uh, that school year. Um, so I started, you know, being aggressive, looking for work, um, I think hoping that I would still, you know, stay on, but uh, realizing that's probably not the case. Uh, in the spring of that year, uh, Joyce just did not, was not feeling right. Um, she, uh, her chest was bothering her. Uh, she described it as she felt she had a balloon inside of her chest that was uh, that, that was causing pressure from the inside out. Um, she went to the doctor to get it checked out. Doctor thought she had some inflammation of the cartilage in her uh, ribs and gave her a leave to take and said, um, "You know, take take this for six weeks." Was she was she still working at the river at that point? Was she um, the administrator? I no, she was not. She was not the administrator at that time. Uh, she had to, I think she had been out of the job for about a year, maybe, Okay. at that time. Yeah, she was working on her own at that time. So um, so she wasn't feeling well. Um, she kind of uh, thought it was stress, the stress of uh, my situation, the stress of probably realizing we're going we're, we're gonna to be leaving the area that we've been in for, you know, 25, 26, 27 years, whatever amount of time that it was. Um, Having a son who's a senior in high school and, and, and not knowing quite when we leave, what's going to quite happen with him? Is he going to stay? Is he going to go? He had just so kind of gone through a surgery. Sorry to interrupt, but a surgery as well, right? A pretty major yeah, surgery. Yeah, a, a year or so before he had scoliosis surgery. But it went well. It went great. It, it, it couldn't have gone better. So um, even though that was a challenge for the moment, um, all was well uh, at that time with that. Um, so, uh, I end up taking a job, uh, in Hanford, California, uh, which is in the Central Valley. Uh, I took it for a year. Um, I, I told them I would just work, work for one year as a principal. Um, then, uh, we decided that I would move there on my own. Uh, Joyce would stay back with Kyle, kind of transition to, uh, junior college and start making plans for him to get his own place if he was going to stay in, uh, the Redlands area. Uh, that summer... Uh, I took off and left, um, you know, for, you know, for that year, at least I said, you know, I think it was going to be for that year. During this time, Joyce still wasn't feeling well, went to the doctor again, the leave wasn't working, uh, you know, so on and so forth. Um, 
then uh, took the job and actually things were great with the job. It, it was difficult being away from home, but in, in a sense, I think we really grew to appreciate each other uh, because we weren't together. And so we look forward to weekends being together, whether she driving up or me coming down. Um, so, you, you know, work hard during the week and look forward to seeing your, uh, the person you love on the weekends. And it was kind of, in a sense, romantic, kind of neat, kind of fun. Um, and as they say, the absence makes a hard girl fonder. And I think for us, that was uh, absolutely the case. Uh, but during this time, again, she, Joyce was just not feeling right. We actually took a, a little a weekend trip up to, to Sequoia. And she had a hard time walking up there. Uh, she lost her very short of breath. Um, so again, she kind of renewed her efforts to find out what this issue was. Um, anyways, I'll just fast forward to the time. It was uh, thanks. It was just before Thanksgiving. Um, I was not going to go home the weekend before Thanksgiving because uh, we had a, a day or two of school. Then I was going to head home after that, so I was going to stay up in the, there on the weekend. And that Friday night, or the Friday before Thanksgiving, I got a call from one of her friends at 11:30 saying she was in the uh, emergency room. And because she had a blood clot, um, and then they did a um, MRI on her and found uh, that there was a mass in her lungs. So, uh, and again, that that word wasn't used to me. Something abnormal was was what was in her lungs. So I rushed home that night, got back in Redlands about 2 a.m. And uh, anyways, long story short, uh, in those uh, three days, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, four days. Um, that's when we found out that she had inoperable uh, lung cancer. Um, you know, I, I looked back at the time and the doctor said to her, um, you know, you may have inflammation of the cartilage, take a leave. And I, you know, part of me just wants to laugh at thinking that you know, she was taking a leave to uh, ba uh, battle cancer. A laugh or cry, I guess it was almost the same thing. Um, so that was huge, and uh, obviously, and um, and the worst part was communicating uh, with the boys. Um, Kevin was gone; he was at, he was at Calvin, so calling him, telling him first of all his mother a you know might have cancer, and then call him and telling him that's the case. Um, you know, people surrounded us. Uh, Nick and Julie were part of the people that surrounded us. Uh, Nick actually, while we were talking jumped on his computer and uh, got a plane reservation for Kevin to fly home on that uh, Wednesday, uh, which was a blessing. My mind wasn't going to get him home, but uh, Nick's was. So thanks, Nick. And if I ever told you, I appreciate that, but uh, I did it immensely. Um, so we were all together, um, uh, you, know, you know, for a period of time uh, when this all was going down, which was a blessing. It was huge. Because we didn't know how short a time that Joyce really had, and so any, any moment they were together now can be looked at as uh, you know, so wonderful. That uh, uh, Thursday Thanksgiving service was probably one of the most emotional times uh, I, I ever had. We just sat in church and bawled. Uh, and uh, to be honest with you, I'm not even sure who was preaching, and I'm not sure what the sermon was about, but it seemed like one of those times that every time um, something was said, it was just directed to us. Um, people surrounded us that day, and you know, and it was you know, I felt the I felt the love of the body of Christ. And um, so, if you talk about you know things, you know, great things that happened was that we did have people who surrounded us and loved on us. Um, and I can only mourn for those people who don't have that. Um, 
So uh, I stayed home for a while, uh, went back to work for a while. I actually had a couple job interviews in Indiana. Uh, Joyce came. Again, that was providential because we were a short distance from Michigan, and her sisters and brother and dad could come out to see her. Again, nobody. Was that, that was in December? That was the first part of December. Nobody really thinking this was the last time they were going to see her, but again, it was the last time they were going to see her. Um, and again, it was good for us, good for us just to be by ourselves too and kind of pretend, you know, we, you know, I, I would say we were, we were never really in denial about it, but there was a, that, that, that was a moment that we could pretend that maybe life would be okay. Uh, we went around looking at houses and stuff and, and again, you know, maybe deep down we knew it wasn't going to happen, but it was just a good moment to pretend that maybe it was going to happen. Um, so, um, get back, try to settle in. She's got her first chemo treatments. Um, that she had a bad reaction to that uh, for a moment, which was kind of a scary moment, but bounced back from that. Had a, and so she felt better after chemo treatments. A lot of people felt feel worse after them, but for her, she felt better. Um, and um, anyways, I fast forward to Christmas Eve. Uh, Christmas Eve was. Uh, a great day for us. Uh, we were all together, went to church, came home. We took our last family picture together. Again, not knowing it was the last family picture. Uh, Joyce looked good. Um, she looked good. And, and so it's neat that that's a memory that we have of, of, of our, my wife, the boy's mother. Um, the Christmas was not a good day. Uh, the intouts were over. Um, she excused herself. <laughs> Those two wait, things wait, aren't connected, right? <laughs> it was not a good day, <laughs> and the intouts were over. Let me rephrase that. The intouts came over for Christmas, <laughs> and it was a blessing to have them, but it wasn't a good day for Joyce. <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> um, and she excused herself uh, early and uh, went upstairs. And uh, I don't know if you told me, if I told you this, but. Uh, not that long ago, Ava said she, she told me she remembered going up to talk with Joyce and saying a song to her. Yeah. She said, you know, just a, a couple months ago, she told me that she remembered that yet. Um, so that's the 25th, the 28th. We had a um, we had an appointment scheduled to go to the City of Hope. We went there, but she was not good that day. She she couldn't walk very much. Was in a wheelchair. When we got there, uh, the doctor said to me, um, you know, she really needs a blood transfusion. So after our, our, our appointment there, we went back to Redlands and we went to get a blood transfusion. Um, that night, um, she got up out of bed to use the restroom and coming back to bed, uh, I kind of was helping her and she collapsed. Uh, I called 911. They, they took her to the ER. The whole time I'm thinking that it's just she needs a blood transfusion now. Um, so I told them that, hey, you know, we, we have blood. And that's the issue. It's a blood, uh, lack of blood issue. Um, that was a surreal time for me because I think I must have missed a lot of clues what were going on or nobody talked to, talk directly to me. Um, again, the whole time I was in the ER with her, I'm thinking she'll bounce back when she uh, gets a transfusion, but she never bounced back. Um, called a friend to come out, one of her friends, um, so she sat with me. And all of a sudden she coded. All of a sudden her heart stopped beating. And I was just, I was shocked that that happened because I just, didn't think that that was going to happen. Mm. Um, and, um, you know, they gave her a CPR. Uh, they looked at me and they handled it really well. They had a nurse whisper in my ear the whole time, tell me what's up. And then the nurse finally said, uh, you may want to think about making a the decision. They're not, um, 
resuscitate her. And so immediately, I mean, I knew it, it wasn't going to happen. So I just said, you can stop. And so I had a few moments there with her, um, closed her eyes. Um, by that time, Pastor Will came, and we drove up to Yukaipa to tell the boys, which was, again, an experience that I don't wish on anybody. Mm. Um, I, I, would, I, would, I would say my most struggling experiences were communicating with them that their mother was sick, and, of course, communicating with them that their mother passed away. We went back to the hospital, the three of us with Will, and uh, we spent some time in the room. Uh, again, Reynolds Community did a nice job of getting things kind of set up because they knew that they were coming. And it was interesting to see how my boys reacted. Uh, they both started crying, uh, but Kevin, he kind of quit fairly soon. And Kyle probably had to say to him, hey, it's time to go. Uh, and then we walked out arm in arm and to to the next life that we have together. Um, and I'll, I'll just quit it there because I'm sure we probably should bounce over to Mark a little bit. But I, but I can talk a little bit later about the afterlife, after, you know, after Joyce passed, you know, what that was like as well. Yeah, so my experience, you know, for those people who don't know, um, my wife Jill and I, we have three daughters, and our oldest daughter is now six. Her name is Maddie, and she's Ava's. Ava's age, Nick's daughter, um, and so when she was three, she was diagnosed with uh, with cancer. It was a tumor um, that we've always said that if you're going to have a cancer story with your kid, you want our cancer story because everything went according to everyone's plan uh, with regard to okay, this we know what it is, we know how to treat it. Um, and everything just lined up. Uh, so we had we had about three or four months where she was in the hospital at, in Loma Linda, and um, they they did some chemotherapy. They did a little bit of surgery, and and uh, after that chemotherapy treatment, they were able to call it done and and say uh, that they never say that anybody's cancer-free, because if you read a lot of literature about cancer, um, uh, according to most people, uh, we all have cancer cells in us. It's just a matter of whether they turn on or not. And so uh, the, doc the doctors will never say that uh, Maddie is cancer-free, but um, and they don't use the word remission either. They just say that all of her all of her markers are where they should be now, and so and and that's we left the hospital and she's been fine ever since. Uh, so for our story, you know, we've got a story where we had a, a very scary uh, period of about three or four months, and uh, we came out of it. Uh, we came out of it appreciating her more, appreciating each other more, Jill and I. And truly, you know, like Russ said, we really developed a much deeper appreciation for the community that surrounded us during that time. And that's, that's really the lesson that sticks with me uh, from that whole time is what it feels like to have community and how painful it must be 
when you're in that spot to not have a community around you, to not have a family around you. Uh, your immediate family is one thing. I think you expect them to be around. And our, our family is in Minnesota, so we had phone calls and we had a couple of visits from mom and grandma. The two grandmas came out. But, um, and we had Jill's sister came out uh, as well. But I think you, ex you take that for granted. You expect that. But what overwhelmed us was the community of the church and of the school of our friends that really uh, that really surrounded us, and that was a that was a big lesson for me. That's my big so, takeaway. So this is obviously called the Love Shared podcast, and so the emphasis is on uh, how we see God at work in our community through different people. But just real brief, um, talk about maybe both of you how through the the journey, Lenny, for you that sounds like you know three, four, five months, um, Russ, for you, maybe that month um, from November to December, but then even after that, uh, say, both of you, say something about the impact of this experience on your relationship to God and how it impacted maybe even how you pray um, and how you even talk about God um, with others, uh, can you could you say something about that? How this experience shaped or formed kind of your journey, your walk with God? Well, I think it's still shaping and forming. Um, I think I had a um, very quick realization what was going to happen in my life that I was going to lose my spouse. Um, remember jogging to relieve a little stress and it, you know shortly after that and I, during that time I came to realize that it's going to happen I, I'm going to lose my spouse at some time it's going to happen so did you did you ever kind of pray for like a miracle yeah yeah of course um yeah of course we had uh you know internally I mean for myself I did that we had uh the elders come over um and and lay hands on Joyce and pray, and I don't know how many people were there. Were you there, Nick, for that? Like, yeah. I mean, we were all bawling, except for one person was not crying. And that was Joyce. She wasn't crying. Um, and I'm not 100% sure exactly why, but I think maybe, I don't know, maybe for us it was so emotional, and we're begging, and we're pleading, and we're, you know, asking God to perform a miracle. And I think deep down she knew that's, that, that wasn't going to happen. Um, she's probably more realistic about it than than I was, and I think I was very realistic about it. So yeah, of course I prayed for a miracle, but I didn't also I also didn't fool myself to think that a miracle was going to happen. I guess I'm a realist by nature, and um, and, and I just planned that you know the worst was going to happen at some time. Sometime the worst is going to happen, and obviously it would be awesome if it didn't happen. But but I you know I felt it was going to happen. Hmm. So, I, but, but that being said, I felt at peace about it, and I think in many ways because Joyce was at peace about it. Uh, she created a blog at that time, and I had so many people tell me how much her blog was meaningful to her, people up in Hanford who were reading it. Um, is, that, is that still up, by the way, that it, blog? It, it probably is Do you uh, remember still what up. it's called? No, I can track it down um, you know, if, if somehow we can get that information out. And it would be, okay. it would be awesome for any, anybody to read who's experiencing this because... Um, yeah, I mean, it, it spoke to a lot of people. It spoke to me. 
Um, so she was really at peace with this all, which I think helped me be at peace with it. But I also just felt God's overwhelming grace during this time as well. Um, and um, so what's when the moment happened, even though it was a sudden moment, uh, much quicker than expected, um, you know, it wasn't unexpected in a sense, and I think I was somewhat prepared for that. After the fact is where you got to deal with the transition of what life is like outside of that. Um, and I guess, I don't know, I guess I've never felt a moment where God was not with me. Now, I got angry at God for a brief amount of time. I think I went through the stages of grief, but I think I went through them fairly quickly. Uh, my anger issue happened, but it did not last that long. In fact, I would probably say it probably lasted minutes because um, mm. I remember the, the, the minute I was angry. Uh, but again, being a pragmatist, being a realist, I also knew that, you know, that's, that's not going to, uh, I know I got to go through it, but I'm sure not going to linger in that. Um, so, um, so you start life new. And again, uh, I start life new with God was with me before God was with me after. Um, so I feel the presence of God all the time during that. And I think people, God used other people also to, um, to show his presence as, as well. And for me, you know, um, it goes back to that community aspect of it. I remember giving a devotional at Redlands Christian School um, while Maddie was still in the hospital, I think. And uh, the point I was trying to make was that this experience that Jill and I went through really, as far as my relationship with God goes, it was helpful to me in that it it solidified my faith a little bit. I mean, I we all have doubts about the what is the reality of God, and and I have those doubts, and I everyone I still have those doubts. Um, but I remember that that experience of going through cancer and feeling the community around me made the doubts a lot weaker. And the analogy that I used was, um, I know that God is real because where there's smoke, there's fire. You know, And I could see the people who are coming out of the woodwork in our community to support us emotionally and even physically by bringing us food and, and letting us shower at their place and things like that. That community was the smoke. And there's no way that God would not exist there's no way that smoke would have a reason to exist if God wasn't the fire behind it. You know, it was was how I felt, anyways. So, for me, it 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 was a faith a faith strengthening exercise. And I'd like to think had Maddie had Maddie's results been worse, had Maddie got had Maddie died, I'd like to think that I would still walk away with that experience, that experience of the community surrounding us, and feeling like, man. There's no reason for people to behave like this without a God who is motivating them to do so, without, without a tradition of thousands of years teaching us that this is how the church works. This is how the church behaves, and this is what the church does uh, for, for its people. And so that's, that's how my relationship with God um, took, took a, a turn in the right direction from that experience. So, 
I'm going to ask the question, and obviously this is a church-wide podcast, and so we need to be sensitive to this. But along the way, were you surprised, and, and I want to first ask the negative and then maybe the positive, and just be honest, uh, were, you di- were there any disappointments, and obviously you're not naming people, but were there were there relationships were there people um yes but i don't blame them because okay. i i don't blame them because i would feel the same way and i i think this is another way that the my experience with cancer changed me was i remember when joyce was going through uh cancer when russ was going through this and honestly i didn't know how to behave around russ or joyce you know, and I didn't know, okay, what do I not, what do I need to make sure that I don't say? And how long is too long to stay? And are they going to, am I going to overstay my welcome if we go over there and, and talk to them? And it was just a we, the whole thing was weird to me that they're going through li- literally life and death. And so I don't did, know how to act. Did you, did, so did you just kind of stay away then? Was that yes. Your- that was the easy route. I mean, that was the easy way out was just to, you know what, to tell myself they don't want my phone call right now. They've got bigger fish to fry. They don't need me calling them. They don't need me knocking on their door and showing up in their in their doorstep. So it's not that you weren't thinking about them or it's not that they weren't on your mind or on your heart or whatever. You just didn't know how to engage or what would be seen as helpful engagement. Right, and because... It, they were dealing with death, and death is scary stuff. And I didn't know how to, I didn't know how to handle my own fears about their experience that they were going through at the time with death. Uh, and that's one thing that changed with me is um, when I had my daughter who was going through cancer, and people were calling and showing up. For me, I don't know if everybody's like this, but it never bothered me when people called or texted or showed up. And if I didn't want them there or if we had something going on where I couldn't talk to them, it was really easy for me to just tell them, hey, this isn't a good time, but I appreciate your call, and then hang up on them. It was, it was, it's, it's not like I was living in a glass house or that m- me or my family were made of glass and we were this fragile thing that if you said the wrong thing, then we were just going to shatter. And that was my perception of people going through that kind of experience and, before and, mine. And I would agree with you on that. I, I was you before it happened to me. Um, I would shy away from it. Um, I don't quite know what to say. Uh, all, all, all those same things. And uh, um, now, af- after this, I feel I have a license to talk to people about it, to say things to people. I think I can relate to those who have cancer, and I, and I can relate to the spouses or the loved ones who are the people that do have it. And I can talk, I can talk the talk because I've been through it. No. Um, um, but but to, just to say that there's not. We, did, we didn't need everybody to come over. We didn't need everybody to uh, call us. We didn't need everybody to bring a meal. We didn't need that. It was nice to have people communicate with us in some form, whether that be by email, whether that be by text, whether it be by phone call. Um, so I think 
recommend recommendation to people who who have who know people who have cancer and don't know what to say or do just in some form or fashion communicate with them tell them you're thinking of them you care about them you're praying for them that's enough right there the close close friends of people are going to be the ones who do more if you feel like you're a periphery person but and and you want to communicate with them but don't know how just somehow communicate through a card uh, we were my mailbox was full of cards after Joyce passed and they started to be it's kind of a bummer actually when all of a sudden they would do it out of 10 cards a day then five cards <laughs> a day then in the day no card came it was over with but I mean it was I we had I had hundreds of cards and everyone was a blessing and so uh, I would say so Russ, just to just communicate in some form or fashion do you think there's a danger of people misjudging their relationship with the person who's going through that suffering like you know it for for our situation you know I was I was placing some sort of value on my relationship to you or judgment on okay this is this is the circle level of friendship that I have with the, the Cox and so I should try to behave in this way um, even though I'd, I'd really like to I'd really like to be someone who is more supportive but I don't think my relationship with with Russ and Joyce is strong enough for me to act like a level one relationship. So I'm going to act like a level twelve relationship instead. Is there a danger of misjudging that? You know. I know I don't think so. I, again, I think it comes down to just communicate at some level. I think silence is the worst thing. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I I had a I got a friend. And I'm still going to call him a friend because I really firmly believe that he is a friend. He did not communicate with me at all through this. Now it wasn't that we, you know, we didn't we grew up together, but you know we didn't have a ton of contact since then. But he would bump into my dad here and there and ask how things are going and say, "Yeah, I got to call Russ. I got to call Russ." My dad would say, "Oh yeah, I saw. I won't say the name, but I saw so and so, and uh, and um, he says he's going to call you, but he never did." That's the disappointing thing. Okay, that's you know nothing, nothing. You know, um, so. I don't think it's so much the level of how much you do, it's just the ability, ju just communicating mm -hmm. is the important thing. It's nice to know that people are thinking about you. That's, it's nice to know that. Yeah, I agree with that. And I, I guess I would just, from my perspective, the idea that people are going, are so fragile that they're just going, they're living in this alternate universe and you have to speak a different language to them now that they're dealing with cancer is baloney. Right. Um, and, and right now, I, I know there's people who struggle with bringing up Joyce, Joyce's name in my presence, and it's absolutely no problem whatsoever. And I learned that lesson a long time ago. I had a, uh, a former student who passed away, um, Reynolds Christian was through ninth grade then, and, and she and left ninth grade, went to high school, and shortly after that, she got some virus and died. I don't know, about maybe eight years later, I, I saw her mom and said, "Yeah, I just want to know. I was I was thinking of your daughter the other day. I I I saw Amy, who was a friend of hers, and when I saw her, I automatically thought of your daughter." And she said, "I mean," and she started crying. She and she said, "You think of my daughter sometimes?" <laughs> and I thought, "Wow, you know, that's I'm fearful to say that because I might bring up some negative feelings, and it's only positive feelings because." She's, she feels great that somebody remembers her daughter. Hmm. So when anybody brings up Joyce in my presence, it's not a, it's, I, I don't feel, it's not at all that I feel bad. Okay? In fact, it, it's, it's great because, yeah, 
it's 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 good to remember. And feeling bad and sad is not a bad thing. Right. At, at, because you remember, and remembrances. If, when you don't remember, that's the bad thing. And I th I think that's you told me something um, once, which was the same thing, but you in a slightly different way. You just said, you know, the the biggest tragedy would be to feel like people had forgotten Joyce, and that would be the worst thing. So. So what we have friends who were in the hospital with us. They also had a daughter who was going through cancer. It was a much worse cancer case for them, and their daughter died uh, in the end. And we hang out with them all the time, and we talk about Hallie, and we talk about um, we talk about her personality and what she was like in the hospital. And we'll say, remember that time when uh, when you had to sit on Hallie to get on get her eye drops in her eyes because she fought uh, tooth and nail. Uh, for those eye drops, I mean, she was she was an incredible fighter even after chemotherapy, and uh, just I remember how strong she was, and it was just always, um, you know, we have those stories that we'll talk about, and it's not it's not a bad thing. I mean, it's not anything that we have to shy away from to talk about um, to talk about people like that. Hmm. So, I heard a. I remember when we were when somewhere in the middle of, of you guys' journeys, um, reading a quote that said uh, it was about kind of suffering and somebody, I think it was maybe Henry Nouwen said, your, uh, your silence is like salt in my wounds and your tears are like a salve, you know? And I just remember hearing that and thinking, yeah, the invitation kind of to share uh, love with people is not to, to go and feel the burden to fix their problem. Um, and I'm sure you guys got a lot of advice and a lot of even words in the midst of that that were kind of trying to, you know, fix fix your, your problem for you and, like, provide you with perspective. But probably the best love that you experienced and that was shared was just people who were sad with you, you know, and who um, were able to acknowledge the... I don't know, just the crap that you were walking through and, you know, let you know that they, they were feeling it too. Um, yeah, I don't, I think like, um, sorry to chime in, but um, I am here. So um, I, I was, everything like when you're talking, I, I, the word that keeps coming to mind over and over and I haven't experienced the, as this on the level that I know that you guys have, but I think the word that continually comes back to mind is genuineness. So if you approach your friends and those people with a genuine heart, then they're going to see that and they're going to know that and they're not, it's not, it's going to be very transparent and open. And I think that in all cases, in all cases of suffering or frustration or hard times, a genuine heart is is a huge thing because people know that, that that's what they're seeing, that you're being genuine and that you really, whatever that means, if you're you're just sitting there and being with them or if you're talking about your daily life, whatever it may be, you're, you're still being genuine with that person. And, and I think as a person who's experienced experience, you also have to be forgiving of others. Um, yeah. People are going to disappoint you at some level. Um, and but you have to be forgiven of them. People are going to say something stupid, um, and you got to be forgiven of them because they don't mean to do it. They just they're they uptight. They don't know what to say, 
and they say the wrong thing. Um, I, I wouldn't say the wrong thing. There really isn't a wrong thing you can say, but but maybe but, in the wrong moment. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm not even sure, but but you just have to be forgiving. Somebody's going to say something, and you could allow it to be offensive to you, um, but you shouldn't. Hmm. Um, so yeah, just forgiveness. Well, and those. one of the cool things in that journey for me, as even a dad, was um, you know for both Maddie and for Joyce just to watch my kids interact with it, uh, to interact with death. I mean, they're very open about it, you know? There's no, uh, they haven't yet learned how to be respectable around questions. They're they don't have a curious. filter. Yeah, there's no, <laughs> there's no filter there. And so um, I think that was, for me, just kind of very... I don't know, eye-opening even to learn how, how they're walking through something like that. And a lot of times the questions they would have are the questions that I have, you know, but I just wouldn't dare voice them. Um, it was just interesting. So, yeah, that was one of the questions, I guess, when you talk about kids too. Like I know you mentioned a little bit your sons, and Mark didn't say as much about the girls, but um, that's something I, I was interested in. Like how you said that it was very hard, like, what were some of the steps that you were able to take to actually talk to your kids about it, to walk through it with them? What are the things that you struggled with um, there as well? Well, I, I mean, yeah, the biggest thing struggle was, is like I said, was the initial sharing of the information that their mom had cancer and then, you know, that, that she passed away. Um, yeah, I think we just, it, we, we just, we were with each other. Uh, I worked out that Kevin ended up staying back. Uh, through for the through the month of January, which was a great thing, so we could just be together. Um, you know, the day after uh, she died, we had to start making arrangements, and so we went up to uh, Hillside Cemetery and picked out a uh, a plot, and we went to out to lunch, and we with some friends, and we um, we went and bought suits, and 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 we actually laughed during those times, and. Uh, there was, uh, we were looking at plots, and again, I, I won't say any names, but the one spot we were looking at, uh, somebody else's gravestone wasn't that far away, and I think it was Kyle that said, yeah, Dad, we probably shouldn't put Mom too close to that spot. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, so we can, you know, so you, already you can see the healing process happening, um, because we can start, we, we can communicate, we can laugh. And again, I, I think, you know, they were, they're, they're too, their faith help them through it. I mean, listen, they, they knew their mother was in heaven. Right? They, they knew that. There was no doubt about that to them. And as much as they wanted their mother with them, I don't think they wanted to take their mother out of heaven. And, um, and you know, she's where we want to be. Um, so so I, I think, you know, that, that process is healing. And I think we just kept in communication. I tried not to... to I try to let them know what my feelings were. I, I felt I had to be strong at some level, but I also felt that I had to be vulnerable as well. Uh, and and I, I like to believe I did a decent job of that. And I would say that even morphed into uh, my next part of my life and then you know meeting Shelley and making sure I communicate with them too about that. That was advice I got from Pastor Bill. He said, Russ, communicate with your boys what you're doing. And so I did that. And uh, so again, 
you know, remarriage is not, never easy on the kids. Uh, I, I think no matter what age they are, but uh, I like to believe that because I, t I talked to them about it, let them know what I was feeling, let them know what I was thinking, that it was an easier transition for them. So I remember when you, I think, I think it was after your first date, um, I think uh, I was at Nick's house when... Um, Playing Halo. Yes, we were playing Halo. When when your son was kind of announced to the world that hey, you know what, Dad went on a date last night, or Dad's going on a, a date tonight. He seemed pretty pleased about it. Kyle did. Mm. <laughs> Kyle was over. Also, oh, Kyle said that. Yeah, I, okay. yeah, it was Kyle who said that. I think. I don't remember that one. You got a good. Well, and 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 again, I think. I, I, as I compare my two boys of how they dealt with it, it was easier for Kyle because he was here all the, all the time while Kevin ended up going back to school uh, and then staying in Michigan for a year and then going to China for a year. Um, you know, Kyle lived it. He experienced it from day to day. He, he missed mom every day while Kevin missed mom periodically because mm -hmm. that that's, that's what it was beforehand. He would talk to mom once or so a week and course when he would come home see her so so the, the their their grieving process uh, Kevin tended to grieve when he came back home while Kevin or Kyle <laughs> trying to hide Julie behind <laughs> while Kyle I grieved every day and and because of that he was able I think able to move through it faster Lenny I'm curious how I don't remember uh, how you handled this story with uh, Hallie and your kids, since you know Lenny was in the ho or Lenny Maddie was in the hospital with uh, Hallie, um, how did how did that conversation go, and how did you um, share that with your your girls, or maybe it was just Maddie at that time? No, it was, it was Maddie, but Mackenzie was old enough that we had to talk to her about it because she had met Hallie, um, but Maddie was still three. So it was harder on us than it was on Maddie. I mean, without a doubt, because we had the conversation where we said, "Okay, Maddie, um, Hallie, Hallie died. Uh, she was sick, and and Hallie died, and and we believe that she's in heaven, and and God God took her to be with heaven, and we're going to go to this funeral, and uh, we're going to love her family." Um, continue to love her family and we're going to miss her very much and and you know to a three-year-old to Maddie um, she didn't have a lot of deep questions I don't remember her asking lots of deep questions I don't remember her um, having any sort of emotional response other than so does this mean I, I can't go to Hallie's house anymore or I'm not going to see Hallie or you know I, I don't remember that being super difficult for her as much as it was for Jill and me, because I remember, I remember looking at Jill when Hallie was really sick, and saying, "I don't think I can go to Hallie's funeral. Um, I don't think I could take that." Because I'll, not only will I see Garrett and Lisa, and when I look at Garrett and Lisa, all I'm going to see is Mark and Jill. And when I look at Hallie and the pictures that they're going to show of Hallie, all I'm going to see is Maddie. Uh, so I don't think I can handle that. And that was hogwash too. Uh, it. The, the things you tell yourself is just self-narrative 
when in reality you do you do all the I mean I went to Halley's funeral and it was fine and people laughed and people told jokes and it was great to see Garrett and Lisa and it was fantastic to see all those pictures of Halley and all of the the story that I had told myself about um, you know this is cancer and people die from cancer and that's um, super traumatic and that's all true, but you handle it, and and just you know, like Russ had talked about, the healing process begins almost immediately. I think it's amazing how resilient we are, because I I think another story that I told myself was, I don't know what I would ever do if Maddie had been the one who died, and you know, um, I don't think I could be friends with Nick and Julie because when I look at Ava, I would see Maddie. It's baloney. It's just a story that I was telling myself. And I think we're, we as human beings are far more resilient than uh, we let ourselves believe. We want to tell ourselves that we're not as resilient as, as God has made us. And I think God has made us super resilient. You're, you're absolutely right. I, if, 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 you know, if I would have, you know, you said to me before Joyce got sick, yeah, Joyce is going to die. Uh, I would say, I don't know how I can keep on going the next day. Hmm. But you keep on going the next day. Again, I think that that's a human human nature of moving forward, but I also think a lot of this has to do with your faith because it is not the end. If it was the end and there was nothing else and she was just gone and that's it, yeah, you know what? You, it would be difficult. Um, but, it's not, but it was not the end. In fact, it was the beginning for her. Um, so I, you know... Anybody listening out there at some time? It'd be nice if somebody's listening to this at some time. Wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> I'm listening. <laughs> I'm hearing you. I know there are people listening. <laughs> it, it is that it, it, it's not the end of the story for anybody. It's not the end of the story for the mom, the dad, the husband, the wife, the kids. And it's not the end of the story for the person who is ill. If, of course, if they're a believer. Um, it's not the end of the story, and uh, life goes on, and life can be great. Um, it can be great, uh, and uh, because because life is great. Life is a gift, and whether you had Joyce had life for 47 years, uh, and uh, and I, I don't you know who who would who would give up 47 years? 47 years is great. Of course, we all want more than that, um, but I just think that you know, in 47 years she. She meant a lot to a lot of people, mm-hmm. and um, and and yeah, I just hope that uh, the same goes for all of us. Okay, so uh, I got one last thing, Lenny, and let you want to quick say something? No, it wasn't that important. Well, go for it, and then we'll wrap maybe, it up. Yeah, maybe kind of wrap it up with this: if uh, you know, there are a number of people at the river currently, and I'm sure in. Um, just broader community, people maybe even that are listening to this that are uh, in the middle of a bout with cancer or maybe have recently um, discovered it or uh, are just in somewhere in, in that journey, in that spectrum that you guys even described, uh, what, uh, what would you want to say to them um, tonight that, uh, that they might be able to, to kind of take with them on that journey? What words of encouragement or, or blessing would you want to speak uh, speak to them well I'll I'll say that 
again, my story with cancer turned out as good as I could have hoped a story with cancer could have turned out. So I'm coming from a different perspective than uh, Russ. I'm coming from a different perspective than our close friends whose daughter died. Um, but from my perspective, that experience was one of the best experiences in my life. Uh, and I don't mean that to be disrespectful to the people who are suffering now, but it was a really formative experience with my relationship with Jill. It was a really formative experience with my relationship with my faith and with with uh, how I see God working in my life. And I wouldn't, uh, I mean, I don't know how much pain Maddie was in, but just from my own experience, that was a really good experience for me to go through. And I think people who are suffering now uh, aren't going to see that, and I don't, I don't expect them to see that, and it's not, it's not, um, I'm not going to sit here and say, sit tight because it all gets better in the end, because I, I don't know what their experience is like. I can only speak about my experience, and I can tell you that uh, three years later, I look back at that cancer experience and how scared, absolutely scared I was as a positive experience in my life, because that's where uh, God showed up most in my life, in more than any other time in my life. So. I would just tell people that, that like Russ said, you will. It's not the end of the story. Your story will go on, and um, and this will be something that forms you in some sort of way, some sort of direction. And I don't know if you have a choice in that direction, but for me, I look back at that and say that it it really made a positive difference in my life which is a strange thing to say about going through cancer. Yeah. Well, and, and I would say the same thing. It was a positive difference in my life. And um, you know, my story, you know, doesn't end, you know, is different than Mark's. Uh, mine's the worst case scenario. Somebody that you love passed away. Um, and if you allow it to be devastating, it, it will be devastating, but you don't have to allow it to be devastating. Um, I think there's always a light at the end of the tunnel, and it might be very dim, but it's there. And you have to allow yourself to move forward to that light um, because that's your next part of your life. And um, so the people who are suffering and, 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 and battling cancer now, I mean, battle with all you have and, and, and fight it with all you have. Um, and, and the prayer would be that healing will happen. Um, but it all, doesn't always happen, and as I said before, it, it's still life is still good, and it will be good um, if you allow it to be good. And one of the things Russ said before we hit the record button, I think, on this podcast was was he feels like that experience gave him some sort of a license to enter into other people's suffering experiences with some sort of authority on what that feels like, and I would I would say the same thing maybe to a lesser degree for myself is that I feel like I know what suffering feels like and it's almost this now I have some sort of a superpower to enter into other people's suffering and talk to them when when they're in that space like a like a real person would talk to any other real person I don't have to be 
afraid of their, of their suffering because I know what it feels like to be in that position and they're not made of glass. I, I just really appreciate um, how that changed the way that I can enter into other people's suffering and sort of the, the power that it gives me to enter into, into the, that relationship, that conversation. Yeah, I mean, at some level, and not to get too theological at a on a podcast like this, but that's you know part of how Isaiah describes, uh, you know, how the God God is going to come, you know, as somebody who is a uh, human um, full of sorrow and familiar with suffering, and uh, and so if that is a piece of who God is, um, it seems like it sort of opens or expands our, you know, consciousness or awareness of Him when we engage in that, uh, in that as well. So I, I appreciate both of you guys being vulnerable and uh, sharing with our community your stories. Um, we're better because of it, and uh, really appreciate what you guys have shared tonight. So thank you very much. Appreciate that. So one All of the right. things too, um, just slightly, I'm just really fast. One of the things too that Russ said, and I think that we covered last week or the last time we did this, was the idea that our stories have one thing in common, and that was that eternity. And I think that was just so, that's just so cool to remember for all of our stories, for all of these things that we're going to talk about, is that that we all have that one thing in common with all these stories, and that was the eternity that um, that God gives us. So, yeah, this was this was fun. I'm I'm glad, uh, Russ, that you were able to come on and and join us for this conversation. Um, so thank you, thank you, everyone. We're gonna wrap this up. Uh, Nick, thanks very much for kind of leading this conversation and bringing Russ in on your. Uh, fancy microphone there. Appreciate that. Russ, thanks for joining us. You're welcome. My pleasure. Uh, next week we'll be talking about how the Detroit Tigers need to blow up their team and start rebuilding. I'm no. going to take a vacation on that episode. Thank you. <laughs> and Terry, thank you for being our technical wizard uh, who's doing the editing and uh, doing kind of hosting the technical aspect of of, uh, of this show tonight. So thank you very much. Sure, sure. I just like to sit back and listen. That's fun. <laughs> All right, everyone. Thanks for joining us tonight for the second episode of the Love Shared podcast. Hey, we want to tell you if you appreciate the show, if you like listening, we like to know that you're listening. So please, if you see us at church, let us know that you're listening and tell other people about it. We want uh, we want more people listening to uh, the Love Shared podcast. We do this on a regular basis. We're going to try to do this on the third Thursday of every month at 8:30. This um, this month is the exception because I am out of town next week. We will all Mark's fault. Yes, <laughs> but uh, we're we're still going to keep talking about the third Thursday of every month at 8:30. You can join us live on Google Hangouts on air. If uh, you don't want to join us live, that's fine. You can go to, and Terry, correct me if I'm wrong because I haven't changed my notes from the last time, but go to the website, uh, therivercrc.com, to find all of the places that you can connect with this podcast and the River blogs. Um, there's our email address if you want to send us suggestions, comments, or feedback is therivercrc. Therivercrcblog at gmail.com. 
theriverCRCblog at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, so tell people about this. You can subscribe on iTunes. Leave a comment on iTunes. That helps us uh, get noticed. And, uh, and let us know what you want to hear next or let us know how you think we, you, we can uh, improve this show. We're glad you listened. So from all of us at the Love Shared Podcast, we're signing out. Talk to you later. Bye. How beautiful are the feet of the ones who share the good news of God.